Welcome to Podcasting Paradigms with David Truss. This is episode one with guest Wesley Fryer. Walking along the road, carrying these stones, looking for some place to rest our weary bones, tearing stories and singing songs, and we create the place we map along. So, I'm sitting here with Wesley Fryer at Unplugged 2012. It's been a fantastic experience here. And we are going to do my first podcast. I've seen, well, rather heard a few, but never actually done one. So, I guess the first thing we should start with is I'm going to be doing this with my live scribe pen. Uh, my first podcast with a live scribe pen, I'll add. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> and I forgot to say welcome. Thank you. And um, I think what we'll start with, though, is, is just this isn't necessarily the easiest way to do one, and, and you were just mentioning to me some app opportunities that there are out there. Right, right. So first off, I think podcasting is a great platform for sharing, and there are so many things about doing an audio-only program that are very attractive. You know, we are not worried right now about lighting and cameras. We're not worried about the file size. Um, you know, if we mess up, it's it's uh, relatively easy to edit and, and take something out. So there's a lot of things about podcasting and audio, audio podcasting, because you can do video podcasting, but audio podcasting that make it really attractive. Uh, it, have, having a lower bar of entry, meaning you don't have to have sophisticated equipment, you don't have to do hours and hours of video and have a massive computer with an expensive program you know, to crunch it. I, I, I'm sure I've done over 95% of all my podcasts with Audacity, which is a free audio editing program. So now, now there, with, with the iPad, there are a lot of apps out there that uh, make it even easier. So can you give me a little rundown on those? You bet. So uh, I would call these no-edit podcasting options. So my favorite ones would be Audioboo. That's uh, A-U-D-I-O-B-O-O dot F-M. Uh, next one would be Cinch dot F-M. Uh, C-I-N-C-H dot F-M. And then another one is iPadio dot com. All of those are, to varying degrees, mobile-enabled, mobile, mobile enabled, uh, meaning you know, all of those have mobile apps of some kind. Some of them allow you to phone cast, like Cinch, which means you can call in a phone number and then an iPadio 2 and be able to record. But they take care of the hosting for you. So we're recording this on your smart pen. And, then, and I've done a bunch of recording this weekend, too. And it sounds like we got to install the software for the smart pen. Then we'll do a transfer, you know, over to our computer. And we'll have that file. And we'll have to, you know, compress it and export it. And then we'll have to have some place to put it on a server. Well, all of those steps are eliminated when you use an app that has a hosted service. So, for instance, Audioboo, you sign up for a free account using the app. And it's Android or iPhone, iOS. And, or you can sign up online. You record right to the app, and then when you click save, you, you put in a title, a description, and tags if you want it. Click 
publish, and it is going as long as you've got internet connectivity. Now, I will add, you don't have to have internet connectivity. I did a two-week backpacking trip in June with my son, took my phone and had a little solar charger, and each night I did a, a short little audio diary, used AudioBoo, but we were not connected. So after I got, uh, you know, back on the road uh, after the trip, um, you know, launched AudioBoo, and there it published all, you know, 12 of my recordings from our trip. So that's really neat that you can, you know, record uh, multiple, um, you know, multiple audio recordings, and then they get published. And I just think, I call that in, in my Playing With Media book, The Ethic of Minimal Clicks. So we're, we're doing something, but we found a tool uh, that's mobile-enabled that really eliminates clicks. So even if I know how to do it this fancy way, I'm going to do it more often, or I'm more likely to do it more often. And I think teachers who are going to be you know, intimidated by the time it takes, the complexity of the task, will see it as a more achievable, doable thing with their kids when, oh, that's all I had to do. And, and that, that's a, a huge reason to use apps is to see that, gosh, now you know, we can have this podcast online for parents and others to, to listen to and it only took you know 10 clicks or touches of, of the finger on the device so those are those would be the place I would recommend people start now with with uh, podcasting is to look at those apps and then explore the differences and possibilities because with audioboo as an example you're limited it was five minutes I think it's three minutes now so you're you know that one you can't do it like if we do a 20 or 30 minute whatever we couldn't do it there you could do that on cinch but you are able to record right on your desktop computer so if your classroom computer whatever it is Dell you know Mac you just get a microphone and you can do it. And so it's multiple pathways. You've got a mobile device you can do it or you can do it from your classroom computer. But that whole idea of sharing student voice, the magic of voice, and, and the value of students hearing themselves and that whole cycle of you know, listening to themselves and fluency and digital portfolios and building that, I really, really like the mobile apps for doing that. That's fantastic. Thanks. And, and so... I really like the idea of the ethic of limited clicks because I really, I really feel that that's one thing that limits people is the amount of effort it takes to get something sort of hosted online. Uh, but you also segued nicely into looking at digital media and digital design, and I'd love to hear about your mapping media to the Common Core project. Yes. Well, and I've debated whether to do that or mapping media to the curriculum because I have mixed feelings about Common Core testing and stuff. But, I mean, that Common Core is the reality for us in Oklahoma and I think 48 other states now. And there are a lot of good things in the Common Core about how students need to create media products, how we need to elevate the complexity of student work, how they need to be doing higher-order thinking, um, and, and digital literacy plays a big role in that. And, and here in Canada, what, what we really look at is just the, the learning outcomes. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's mapping media to the curriculum for Canada. Yes. And that's another yeah. reason I've gotten, actually, tweets from, from international teachers, please go call it mapping media to the curriculum. So I don't know, I might actually do two versions, you know, depending yeah. on which one you want to do, and then we'll skip the chapter on the Common Core, you know, for, for folks that are not in the 48 states that have done that. Because it's about um, media literacy today, and for I think a number of years, has been far more than Microsoft Office, even though a lot of our university programs for teacher ed in the, in, in the states, and maybe in Canada too, are, you know, still tend unfortunately to focus a lot on productivity and client-side software, like Word and PowerPoint and Excel. And so mapping media to the curriculum, we'll call it that, 
or in Canada, is this idea that here are 12 different products that if we are media literate, we should be able to create. And I want to encourage teachers to create those personally, because as you make something for yourself personally, you're going, to, you're going to play with the media, you're going to become more comfortable with it, and then you're going to gain the confidence and hopefully have the aha moments to say, oh, well, this would fit really well into my unit, you know, when we're doing the, the war of um, 1812 or when we're, you know, studying uh, westward expansion or whatever the, the unit is. So there's, a, there's 12 different, different products, and I've been working on building that this last semester, and that's my goal for this fall, um, or if you're not in the Northern Hemisphere, for, for uh, August through December 2012. My goal is to get that finished as another ebook, but also a website, and then a whole badge ecosystem where teachers would be able to gain credit um, for their work, and then also schools could basically adopted as a framework for saying this is what we'd like you to do. You don't have to start at step one, you can go right to the project 12, but these are all good things for you to create and we want, your, we want you to facilitate students creating these products. I really like that you're looking at uh, doing this with teachers first and uh, yeah, I like to talk a lot about the lead learner, the teacher being the lead learner or uh, a key learner in uh, in the classroom, and uh, so the idea that these 12 products are first produced by teachers for them to see the value themselves, uh, I think that's a really valuable piece to it. Um, as far as the, uh, the the media mapping, what are you thinking of doing around uh, badges and and um, that that seems to be a, a lot of talk around it. And is there? Any idea of using them for, for this? You bet, and, and I've got to figure out. I, I finally broke down and just drew this, like, last week, 12 different, you know, icons in, in brushes on the iPad. And that's kind of also playing with media is like drawing. I've done a lot more doodling this week. But I'm going to probably get some more professionally done, you know, looking badges. But with Foursquare and other, you know, apps, you've got this opportunity to get badges when you have achievements and... We need ways to demonstrate what we've known beyond just getting certificates for seat time in workshops or getting college credit in courses. And I really like the whole idea of, of, of a performance-based way of, of showing what we've done and, and what we've created. We were talking earlier tonight about how you know it needs to not just be pass-fail. There needs to be ways of recognizing quality. It's not just that I made a narrated slideshow. We also ought to celebrate and recognize, you know, I think of uh, Chris Morsch and the, the low tie or low D, you know, levels of technology integration. And, and that also ties a lot to Bloom's taxonomy. You know, this was a project which, you know, got into higher order thinking and we were evaluating and, and, um, and analyzing not just, you know, facts. Because a digital story is really not a digital story if it's just tell me, tell me, tell me. And a lot of times, PowerPoints that students do and probably things that we do as teachers tend to be at that really knowledge and comprehension level, really fact, fact. So anyway, but, but we need to start somewhere. So the idea of badges is there's a, a project I've seen called the Mozilla Open Badges Project. And so it's set up as a way for, for people to create um, badge systems so that if you want to give people credit or give them the opportunity to get credit via badges for doing things and learning things, then, then that's, I guess, a framework that's supposed to enable you to do that. And I'm, I'm really interested in that because I... I think we need frameworks, you know, we say digital literacy, but what does that mean? And, and I just, 
There's so much talk about 21st century skills, but there's too many schools that don't have evidence. Like, what have your kids created? You know, where did they make movies? Like, well, we didn't publish anything. We didn't do. It's like, come on. Or behind a firewall. Yeah, exactly. We had a one-to-one initiative in 2009 in Oklahoma, and the whole Ning was locked up. So, guess who got to see it? Only the 19 schools that were in there. And uh, I'm really frustrated by that. So I want to encourage people to publish and share openly on the web because I think so much positive comes from that. You've got a lot of choices. You don't have to show student pictures. You don't have to use student, you know, first and last names. There's lots of different things you can do. Puppet puppet videos, actually, is one of the 12 things you can do. And you can do puppet videos lots of ways. I mean, there's apps like Puppet Pals and uh, Sock Puppets. But, I mean, you can even, you know, shoot a video with finger puppets that your kids do, and that's their voices. You know, you're not going to see their faces, but but the whole creativity piece of this is really important to me as well. And I think we've we've got to empower teachers and recognize teachers that are supporting creativity in the, in the classroom and giving kids a chance to create. And so, hopefully, as this moves forward and, and you know get ideas and suggestions and things like that for more folks, I just. I really hope that we can inspire each other with examples and then help those teachers connect with each other. It's a little bit like K-12 Online. See a K-12 Online presentation, this is a real teacher, a real educator, real administrator who has... um, you know, created this, and if you've got questions, you can contact them, you can interact with them, and and uh, and then collaborate with them. And so, I'd love to have more of that kind of interaction happening, you know, between teachers and students, and then also the recognition of it, because you may not be recognized in your building or in your district, but being able to be recognized outside, and 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 you know, I think that's. It's really important to, to support innovators and to find ways to recognize teachers who are at the leading edge of, 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 of media use and blended learning. And having those examples is so important. And when we talked earlier about the idea of badges and putting those two ideas together is a badge would link to the product that shows that they actually achieved and, and accomplished what it was. And so there's that accountability piece that... You know, you don't just get the badge, but that badge has to be able to show this is what I, this is how I earned the badge. Yeah, and you're going to put your name out there on the line, right? That this is my submission. And so, and and to some level, I know there's folks that cringe when we say star rating systems and things, but, you know, there'll be a way for people to leave feedback and and, uh, comments and and maybe just, and to do it maybe a thumbs up or, you know, stars or something like that. Because um, I think ultimately digital portfolios need to be a huge part of how we assess learning. We're going to have standardized ways of doing it, but there's also going to be a lot of things that don't fit neatly on a bubble sheet. And so we're going to need to have rubrics and, and products and things like that. So hopefully this can help teachers work towards digital portfolios and a way in which they can put on their portfolio, here's what I've done. You know, these are are things that I've created. And it's also going to be open to, uh, it's not just going to be really newbies and you got this done in a semester, you know, I'm done with that course. I mean, there are so many different things that are coming out all the time. So I don't want any of these to be really app specific. I want them to be transcendent. And I think things like a narrated slideshow, a five-photo story, an interactive game, 
Um, I've, I, the concept map is one I'm still wrestling with, whether to keep that as one. The digital story, I mean, those are going to be things that will have different tools to use, but I think we're going to continue to want to create those. Um, I'm trying to decide now whether to, whether to uh, basically make screencast and narrated slideshow the same, because it would like explain everything and a lot of apps. You can do those together. It's just whether you want to get the pin out and draw on your screen. But um, anyway, I'm I really I, I feel really passionate. Like there's a lot of things I don't know will happen in my life in the next you know couple of years. But I do feel very passionate about this as building on the playing with media book because playing with media is a, is a nice framework, but it doesn't it hasn't had the specific examples to say here's third grade you know kids who are doing um, persuasive writing and you know and here's what they did with their radio show you know here's how they create you know podcasting what we're doing right now and probably like a lot of people I'm disappointed that more folks haven't gotten excited about podcasting and done it and I think that we need local examples because local um, local examples resonate differently than far away, oh, in California, oh, in New York, oh, in Australia. And so I'd love for those, te those teachers to, you know, be recognized for what they're doing and then to contact those administrators and have those administrators hopefully recognize the value of what their teachers are doing and then celebrate them and, and amplify them and let that locally have ripple effects in the community that media created somewhere else can't, if that makes sense. And and I think that's a really positive place, considering how much noisier it got here. Yeah, right. <laughs> We thought we picked a quiet spot, but it didn't work out that way. But um, as sort of a final kind of thought from both of us, I think it, it truly is, you know, you talked about in your lifetime, it's such an exciting time to be an educator. Mm -hmm. And I, that has been my predominant message that I've shared since... You know, doing the K-12, uh, with which is a K-12 online conference, um, and I, I think the first thing I said is, "This is a ex this is an excellent time to be an educator, and it's just so exciting." And I think that needs to be the message. There's a lot of reasons to be frustrated. There's a lot of reasons to, to see the barriers, right. uh, but they are disappearing, and there are more and more people who are just doing amazing things. You know, we're we're here. At the, uh, Unplugged conference, and we've created an ebook talking about the things that matter in education, writing letters to people that I think have a voice that thousands of people would value listening to. Um, it, there's at least one letter in here that every educator would touch their heart at some level. And so here we are, and we're creating a product out of our professional development that every one of us is doing on our own choice here. This this is neat. This is something that just wouldn't have happened. The, the you know, I've known you for six years online, and this is our opportunity to meet, and it's just fantastic. So, right. uh, I, I don't know what else to say besides you know what a wonderful time to be in education, and and if you want, you can seek out and find those people that will make things great for you. That's right. And so that that's the, that would be an encouragement. We were talking about aha moments earlier, yes. and you were telling me stories about with blogs and with wikis, you know, with your kids and where you got hooked, you know. And I think we want teachers to have experiences with students where the energy and the excitement is there because of the interaction and the creation of content, you know. And when kids have opportunities to create content and to interact, and then when teachers are able to see transformative things happen, you know, this that, that interaction with the, the student being the teacher you were telling that story about, 
you know, where they were saying, well, I know it's a great question, but I want you to answer the question. I mean, maybe that would have happened in class, but it didn't. It happened because of blog comments. And, and, so, and it likely would have happened by the, me, the teacher, yeah, asking, right, you know, right, what is the answer right, instead of a student doing it. Which is very different than the student doing it. Yeah. So, you know, I think those, those kinds of aha moments... It's good to ask people what their aha moments were and to even do podcasts and digital stories about those. To recognize that people are going to have different ones, but to identify what were some of the common ingredients here. And I am absolutely sure that a big ingredient is sharing things publicly and having the ability to interact, and that can be moderated. But, but that's such an important thing for us to advocate for. And I'm, of course, working more in the states where so many of our schools are so locked down and, and we just have this mindset that, gosh, we, we've got to protect the kids, so we're going to lock everything up. And when we lock everything up, guess what we do? We basically take away 90% of the power of what that media can do, you know, interactively for others and for audience and stuff. So anyway, it's, it's exciting. And I, I uh, what a great thing to get to hang out together yeah. and, and plot and find ideas and then think about how we're going to continue to collaborate because now... You know, the wall, they haven't for a good time, but we're not limited by time and space. You know, the ability to collaborate is... Yeah, that geography doesn't matter, right? We're both working on a media, media literacy projects, and uh, yes. uh, there's excellent opportunities for us to, to collaborate, share, and, uh, you know, I just love the idea of the media mapping uh, because you're, you're saying, hey, if the, let's have the teachers put it out there first, see the value for themselves. And then when they see what it can do for, for students, that's when the aha moments really happen. And let's see it as a menu, right? Let's yeah. not see it as a standardized, you've got to do this, you know? Yeah. Let's think about mastery objectives. What are the things you want your kids to master and show? And then here are choices about how they can show them. And, um, and then that whole idea of mapping is, you know, we're going into this new world and the, the, the shoreline is not mapped. Um, we don't know exactly what tools are going to be invented next year. We don't know, um, you know, a lot of things. We, we do know that devices are going to get more powerful and they're going to be hopefully cheaper and in the hands of more people. With less clicks. With fewer clicks, that's right. And so, it, but, but incumbent upon us is, is that quality and that whole, you know, mastery objectives and what do we want to do with this and, and uh, what are we going to do with the tool, you know, because it's not enough to just say, make me a movie. Make me a slideshow, you know, because it's really easy to create garbage. But that's um, the fact that it's going to be easier to create those, though, should hopefully allow more teachers and more students to get to that media creation and then to be truly digitally literate in, in communicating with the tools and not just, you know, watching the movies, watching the media, consuming the media, shifting to being the content creators. Wes, that was awesome. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. When we met, I told you my story. And I said, Rap, will you told yours? Made our lives up out of some inarticulate perfect glory. And laid our rocks on the opposite shore.